This is episode 43 of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to listen to this episode of the Kindred Mom Podcast. I'm excited to have you, and I have two great conversations ahead that are full of encouragement and practical ideas that you will find very useful. The first conversation is with Lynn Patty and Robin Chapman. They're both Kindred Mom team members who work behind the scenes on putting things together for our blog, and they are two wonderful, hilarious women. We talk about what life around the table looks like with our own families and the laughs that we have at the table, the challenges we've encountered there, and how we navigate hospitality in this season of our lives. The second conversation I have to share with you is with Patty Scott, who is one of the writers and residents that we have invited onto our team for this coming few months. She is a wise mama who brings a lot of encouragement to those of us who are a few steps behind her as far as our mothering journeys. And she also has a book that she is releasing this month, which is just really worth checking out. It's called Slow Down Mama and releases on the 10th of September, which is the date this podcast releases. And I hope you'll get a chance to go check that out. One last announcement I wanted to make is that Joyful Life Magazine, who has been sponsoring our show for a few weeks, they have a Kickstarter campaign to fund the first issue of the magazine that is coming out in November. Hop on over to their Kickstarter link in our show notes and check that out and pre-order your own copy. Thanks so much for being here and have a wonderful day. I'm so excited to be here to introduce the new series on Kindred Mom, which is on the topic of life around the table. And I have Lynn Patty and Robin Chapman here to chat with me today, ladies. Welcome. Hey. Hello. I'm so glad that you're here. And I would love to just jump into our conversation about this series because I think it's going to be extremely inspiring and useful. And I think we're also going to experience a fair amount of solidarity in the struggle to put meals on the table for our families (laughs) every day of the week. And uh, so I'd love for you ladies to just catch our listeners up for those who haven't listened to all of the recent podcast episodes. Just tell us a little bit about your family so they know where you're coming from. I will. I So I have Jack here on my lap. He's my six-month-old, my youngest. And so if you hear mm-hmm. gurgles, that's him. I have five children and we homeschool. They are um, ranging from six months to almost 11. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I fall on the spectrum of meal planning slash, you know, June cleavery <coughs> kind of mom. I, mm-hmm. I fall off. On the bottom end of that spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> you are a great mom, Lynn. I oh, know that right thanks. now food has been a struggle <laughs> just because of your season, but you're a fantastic oh, yeah. mom. Ah, thanks. How about you, Robin? Tell us. I am. So I'm Robin Chapman. I live in Alaska. I have four kids. They are the littlest one just turned two. Mm-hmm. And so they are two and three and six and seven. Um, mm. And they all need to eat with alarming regularity. <laughs> yes, they do. And I also kind of feel like I'm sort of at the bottom of that spectrum. And I'm okay with that. Well, and I think it's good to just be real about the things that we're relaxed about in our homes and some things we take super seriously and we're going to be like the A-plus mom in that area. And some things are like, we just do what we got to do to get the food out, you know? And so many of our listeners do know a little bit about my family since they hear from me more of the time. And my kids are ranging from two to 12. I have six of them. And 
we have been lately in a season of our food journey together where we're eating really healthy foods and I'm basically making every meal from scratch, which sounds like amazing, but it's kind of just out of necessity because of our space limitations in our kitchen. And we have a tiny like over the fridge freezer and that's the only freezer that we have. So um, while I might in other seasons, uh, utilize the chicken nugget thing um, or tater tots more. I just haven't been able to because I can't fit that many in my freezer at one time. <laughs> so we've been doing meals that are more on the fresh side and we're able to restock every weekend when we go to Costco together as a whole family. And that is just the cycle that is working for us right now. And it's not very meal planned ahead of time, which is kind of different for me because I used to be a hardcore meal planner a number of different ways, but this is where we are right now. How about you guys? Where are you at with meal planning right now? Well, I want to jump in and just say that Emily and I go a long way back with food and meal planning and and dinners Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I just like, I wanted our listening audience to just know that Emily's heart is so in this like this mm-hmm. topic really means a lot to her. And I think that's why it's so exciting to bring it to the platform uh, this month and, and really delve in because she is a great leader and she knows what she's talking about. Oh, thanks, Lynn. Yeah, it's uh, meal planning over here has just, as the waves ebb and flow with the seasons and the pregnancies and the, and the picky eaters and the transitions, whatever, it's, it's just so up and down. And there are times when I felt really on top of it. Like I know what I do it, like I know what I'm doing. And actually, oddly, right now is one of those times where I just, I, I just have a plan and it is what it is and we've got it going. And it's, and it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good right now. But those seasons ebb and flow for sure. Yeah. I'm sort of transitioning. I had a a pretty rough patch over the summer where I was eating all weird, which I'll talk about in an essay later in the month. So I had to, so I had to feed my family and feed me something else. Um, There was one, we, we use our fridge as a whiteboard and I usually write out the meals for the week Mm -hmm. or at least a selection of meals available. And then I kind of choose from that. Yeah. And I just wrote good luck guys. And that's, that's all they got. <laughs> like, I don't even remember what I fed them this that week. They didn't, they are all still with us. So nobody starved. Oh, yes. Um, okay. well, that's so great to know. We're sort of, we're sort of transitioning back towards that kind of meal planning. But right now, like most recently, I've been in a phase of like, I have some foods that I pretty much always have mm-hmm. the ingredients for. And I'm gonna, I'll just make what I have on hand, whatever's quick whatever I can get on the table. Yeah. Well, and I think that meals have to be simple when we have younger kids, especially, and life is busy and on the go. And there are so many things that draw our attention away from being able to spend hours in the kitchen or hours even planning and thinking about what we might want to serve our families in the coming weeks. And so in this discussion, I am not necessarily suggesting that by having a meal plan, you need to have like the most elaborate, most involved, really impressive meal plan. But I just think that it's important to see how meal planning can be a help and a tool. And if it doesn't feel like a help and a tool, then just chuck it for the season. Cause I honestly have not really been meal planning this last couple of months, but in past seasons, it was my lifeline. It's something I had to do or I couldn't bring it all together. 
Right. There's just so much grace for just the various seasons. Yeah. Well, let's let's jump into some practical things here. Let's uh, talk about like nuts and bolts, what it actually looks like, looks like in your family right now. Well, I was just saying that for me, just trying to show up to the kitchen and throw meals together kind of on short notice. The way that I accomplish that is I kind of have my staple items that I know I can mix and match and have a variety that pleases my family and also is fairly easy for me. So on any given week, we have a couple of dishes that are with like roasted vegetable sides and with rice, and then a couple that might be more of a pasta thing with a protein and more sauteed vegetables. So I kind of have this rhythm where I'm just thinking of trying to go between like if we have a rice dish on one day, we're not having it again for another two or three days after that. But I'm kind of just plugging things in like I know there's going to be probably two rice dishes a week and two pasta dishes a week. We might do breakfast for dinner one night, but I am doing that a little bit more on the fly than I have in the past, partly because I just don't want to think about it. Right. (laughs) I, I feel like I'm planning so many other things ahead. We're kind of scripting out our homeschool year and all the things that the kids need to accomplish each week. And so I feel like my planning side of my brain is occupied. So the meals are uh, last on the list at that point. Lynn, what are you doing? So right now I am a super fan of Instacart, which is grocery delivery. And so when I go grocery shopping, I do it on my phone and it has all of my items right there. The ones that I've gotten in the past and you know, everybody can kind of do the research and see if it works for you. It's a subscription thing, but, Mm -hmm. um, So when I go down my list, it's like, okay, you know, the ground beef, the chicken, the uh, mashed potatoes, like whatever it is that I buy all the time. And I just always have those available Mm -hmm. pretty much. I I do a big Costco Instacart about once every two weeks Mm -hmm. and then uh, the Whole Foods uh, Instacart in between. And um, there are times where I'll Instacart same day for that dinner that night if I feel like I want to try something or whatever. But just like Emily was saying, I just have these staples that are in my house. I can always make tater tot casserole. Mm-hmm. There's always frozen peas, tater tots, and ground beef in my mm, kitchen. Yeah. I haven't had that in a long time. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. You know, I always have a red onion or two. I always have celery carrot, so like the celery carrot onion, like the mirepoix. I always have stuff for pasta and meat sauce. You know, that's like a huge yeah, staple right. that we go to and make leftovers. Mm-hmm. So right now it's really, really simple and I don't do a lot of new recipes. I don't, (laughs) I don't take risks in the kitchen right now. I just do what works. Yeah. Okay. Your turn, Robin. Right now, while I'm transitioning out of the season of survival mode, um, my, my goal is to have like four or five meals on the fridge um, before the grocery shopping gets done. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're, they're pretty simple. We have a, we have a few go-tos. We have some that are, kind of cabbage based and some that are, we do a lot of pasta. Oh my gosh. I have this instant pot recipe for cheeseburger Mac. That's amazing that I can get done in half an hour. And it's fantastic. I should send you that link for the show notes. So I just try and get four or five meals is usually all we need. Actually really four is enough because, um, Uh we have a couple nights a week that one or the other of us is out. And on those nights we just do you know, whatever corn dogs from yeah. the freezer, or whatever. Bread. <laughs> right? Here you go, guys. Um, yep. We have leftover grapes. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
the nights that <laughs> the nights that everybody is home together um, are the the nights that I worry about. And then you, there's usually a kind of a, a leftover night or just whatever we have on hand. So yeah, yeah. so I'm trying to trying to plan a couple meals a week um, or a, a few meals a week, and I just choose from them based on how the day looks. Um, usually early in the day, or if it's later in the day, then I pick one that's really fast and easy. Yeah. And I know that um, meal planning fatigue is a very real and present thing for many mamas because of how demanding it is. I was just thinking about everything that is required to plan meals often. And it requires creativity and flexibility and energy. And, you know, it's not a small thing to be putting food on the table every day. And I just wanted to share a thought from one of the women in our Kindred Mom Facebook group. Her name is Gretchen Ronovic, and she is a mama of six kids. And she just said really honestly that she gets meal planning fatigue and figuring out what to eat is really the hardest part for her. And so what they do is they just kind of limit their choices so that Mondays they're having a Mexican meal, Tuesdays they're having uh, a certain other kind of meal so that she's mostly just plugging in ideas um, that are already in a category, which I think is one easy way to simplify that process. Yeah. And uh, one of the other things that I think is important to think about when you're just trying to work through meal planning fatigue is that sometimes that fatigue is not really about the meal planning. It's just about being fatigued. Right. (laughs) And, you know, I just know that my emotions about having to be in the kitchen all the time are so deeply influenced by just how I'm doing and as a completely self-care related conversation. So when you are underslept and, you know, kind of in an on the go season that is requiring a lot of you just to figure out how to diminish the number of choices that you have to make in the midst of the actual day, because I know that when I have been in a more faithful planning season where I just make the decisions for every meal of the day way in advance and I don't even have to think about it. I just have to follow the list. I think that's what has been most helpful for me. Um, I would also love to talk about what you do when you're around the table with your family. If there are ways that you intentionally connect with each other or if it's kind of just about survival and getting it done. Um, We spend we spend most of our time correcting like nested layers of no you interrupted your sister no now you interrupted me correcting your (laughs) sister for interrupting okay I'm gonna get back to you but I was correcting your sister for interrupting her sister while she was interrupting us for talking Um, (laughs) sounds like lots of fun (laughs) right it's super it's super fun It's, it's hilarious actually but right now our dinner time like the the food part is relatively simple like the kids eat okay we don't have any picky eaters that we're fighting to get food down or anything. So most of what our meal times are about is just teaching them how to live in interacting community. Cause it's really the only time every day where we're like in a single group of six and we all have to interact rather than kind of splitting off into individual conversations. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yes. Sitting around the table for us is, um, it's a relatively new thing. We've just gone through seasons where we do sit at the table a lot. And then a lot of times we sit at the counter and I'll just say, well, whenever we mm-hmm. sit around the table, um, it's always just, honestly, it's like a blessing. And I know that sounds super cheesy, but yeah. it, it just is. 
you know, at the counter, we can't quite mm-hmm. all see each other face to face. Sometimes my husband and I, or yeah. I will be standing, which isn't ideal. So when we actually make the, oh, I don't know, two and a half foot trek to the (laughs) actual table. It just, it really is awesome. And um, we don't have, we're kind of the opposite of you, Robin, where we're getting into a season where we we aren't uh, addressing a lot of behavior issues, but we are doing the food stuff. So we we have two two that don't Mm -hmm. eat very much. And, uh, you know, I've done that all different ways. But at any rate, it's always just awesome to sit around, hear about people's day. And we usually end up talking about the coolest topics. And it's, it's really cool. And Emily, I have sat around your table. You have a gorgeous yeah, table. Homemade. My husband made me this lovely table for, he finished it just in time for Thanksgiving a couple of years ago, and we still use it every day. It's kind of the hub of everything in our house. Both our homeschool work gets laid out on it and then every meal. So it's a lot of turnover. And I think when I had fewer children and they were much younger, There was a long stretch that I just did not really like being around the table. And it was because kids throwing food on the floor and there wasn't really a community helping spirit with like cleaning up after a meal. But as they have aged and of course we've worked on that, it's just a lot more enjoyable to sit there and hear about every Wednesday, which is a little bit funny because it's more for dad's benefit than mine because I know what they did. (laughs) They know what they all did together. Um, But it's kind of fun to just see them excitedly sharing what they learned that day or something that they've been making and seeing his enthusiasm for what it is that they've been doing. That's just the most precious part. And I love that we don't really have to work very hard at the connecting part around the table, but I know that some families that doesn't come quite as easily. And Megan Erickson also from our Kindred Mom Facebook group was sharing one thing that she had created with her kids that was not necessarily for this purpose, but it ended up being a huge thing for their household. And one Christmas, they created personalized calendars as Christmas gifts for other family members. And they just got an extra one for themselves. It was a 365-day tear-off style calendar with a different yes. photo. Did you yeah. guys Did you guys check this out? This thing is yeah, amazing. Yeah. I totally downloaded the app. I'm like doing this. It's so yeah, cool. so she said they just sit down and when it's dinner time, they take turns tearing off the photo and talking about where they were when they took it and the things that they remember from that experience together and that it just leads off into conversations that are so meaningful for them. And I just love that that's such a practical, physical thing that kids can do together uh, while you're having your meal together. That's so fun. I used to have, um, and I have it set up now, but it's not as comprehensive as I'd like, but I used to have a screensaver on the computer, like the screen that's in our living room. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would play just all the favorite photos from the last, I don't know, 10 years since we got a digital camera. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's been really fun as we've had like my siblings move away for the kids to still kind of know who those aunts and uncles are because they see those pictures constantly. So even if we're not, even if we don't have the screen on because we want to be on the computer or the mm-hmm. TV. It's fun to have it up all the time because then it leads to exactly that kind of yeah. conversation. Yeah. So I have sat at both of your tables. Yes, um, you have. The spring and it was lovely. It's as fun as we talk. I can picture both of your both of your tables and just the the warmth and the the community that I felt as I as I joined your families for I guess two consecutive dinners mm-hmm. and 
So I, I wondered if maybe we should transition into hospitality. Like it's different with kids. Well, and I we oh had goodness. asked a couple totally. of questions in our kindred mom group. I just kind of wanted to see where everyone was at because there were a lot of years that we would have people over all the time and we are not in that season anymore <laughs> because for whatever reason, having more people to my already very full house right now feels kind of stressful. And yet I do really value the aspect of connecting with people over a meal. And so we have done some of that largely at either public places or barbecues or elsewhere, but we have kind of limited how many people we have to our house, partly because of just, I think hospitality when you have kids can pose a lot of challenges. And I would love for us to talk about that. And are you in a season where you're having people over a lot? And if so, how do you make it happen? Because we want to know. <laughs> I'm getting into a season where we're doing it a little more. I've mm-hmm. learned I want to do it more. I have kind of two different kinds of families that we have over right now. And mm-hmm. I want to be more inclusive. Yeah. But the ones that are super easy right now are like childless people, single yes. pe- singles or couples, um, because then we can put our kids down and then talk like grownups. Yes. Um, or families that also have huge crowds of kids because then the kids all kind of like they're used to the the din of noise and the chaos and so that then the grown-ups again we kind of sit around and talk like adults while mitigating whatever chaos is going on Mm -hmm. so that's been that's been really nice and we're starting to invite other folks over now as I'm getting comfortable with it again. I've been in a having babies season for a lot of years. Yes. (laughs) So as I think of, uh, you know, when we have people over again, simplicity is the key. Mm -hmm. And I have like a basket with a handle that has all like plastic silverware Mm -hmm. napkins. I think you would use it normally outside. But when we have people over, that comes out as does a stack of paper plates yep. and we just put everything out. Moms make their plates for the kids, whatever the kids do, whatever. And it's just like organized chaos. You know? mm-hmm. right. like, and that's just how we do it. And then most of the stuff goes in the trash. Please do not write us emails about trash. But, <laughs> about being eco-friendly. Um, Are you using eco-friendly yeah, everything? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can do that. Yes. Right? I, have, I have bamboo fiber paper bowls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but yeah, all that stuff is just super easy to just grab and get out. And, hey, and, hey. and normally, you know, we'll just have our water bottles or whatever. And that has us totally taken. Cause I, I can make food for legions of people. Yeah. That's not the, the issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way our kitchen is, I can do that and talk to the people who are there or like Robin was saying, mitigate whatever fights, whatever. But uh, among the children, that is. <laughs> are you fighting with the people oh. that you're invited over, Lynn? <laughs> you need to get better friends. Yeah, exactly. No, but yeah, that always just works out really well. So that like sort of when you get the details out of the way, it just makes it a lot easier. And then we always should we send the kids outside. We have yes. the because of where we live, you know, we can just say, go outside and everybody just goes outside. Yeah. And so that's super helpful. Yeah. And I think part of our biggest challenge right now is our space. Like we live on a very busy street with an very unsecured yard. There's not a fence that would keep little ones from toddling out into the street. And so I feel a lot of stress about that. And I also realized a couple years ago that like the way our house is laid out, there's a lower level where most of our bedrooms are. And 
it is just a space where if we have guests over and there's people on every level of our house and every space of our house, I just feel myself sweating. <laughs> like, first of all, I can't see all the kids. So I don't know what they're into. And also, I found it just really overwhelming when we would have people over and like every room was destroyed. It wasn't like there was a central place where all the kids were playing and maybe they destroyed that one space and the moms could all help clean up before they left and stuff like that. But it's just gotten, you know, if we're restricted to the upstairs, which is kind of our family rule at this point, there's just not enough space for there to be a lot more people over and for people to sit and not be clobbering each other with like, (laughs) I'm running my trucks over your legs and (laughs) I don't know, just, um, so, you know, I think we are, we're just at that place where we really are outgrowing our house. (laughs) And as much as I would love to just get more simple and, you know, pare down and just have less stuff here. We have eight people in a house. There's a lot. yeah, Yeah. So it's just, that's our limitation. But I also just think that hospitality is about so much more than physically having people to your house. I don't remember if we've already talked about it yet on this episode, but just this month, we have an essay from Tori Rask who talked about extending hospitality by delivering meals to people, which, you know, it's, you can do that when, you know, a mom is having a baby or if somebody's been sick or in the hospital, you can also do that just to like bless your friends. And if you know, they've been in kind of a busy season, I just think it's a gesture that will not go unnoticed. And I have felt more loved and cared for by someone who brings a meal to my family than pretty much any other gesture I could say, because it is something that just takes so much effort. And, you know, it's like, you know, they thought about you (laughs) if they bring food to your house. And so knowing that we are not hosting people at our house as much as I would like, um, I'm really trying to think about how I can take hospitality elsewhere and just even if it's showing up with cookies when I go to meet with a friend or, um, you know, just a, a small gesture of wanting them to be filled with love that I made in my kitchen, you know? Yeah. You know, I just want to come in right at this point and say, I just, I want to talk to the mom who has younger kids or who is pregnant or just had a baby or whatever. And I feel like the hospitality thing, like mama, you can shelf that yeah, right now. Totally yeah. fine. Like, you don't need to be a part of that. You need to get food for your immediate family. And that's that. And these things when, you know, we're talking about hospitality and how we do it, that comes later mm-hmm. and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And on also say yes to people who want to serve Please you. Do. If you have people in your circles who want to bring you food, don't say, no, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Say yes, please. Yeah. Can you do Tuesday? Yes. You know, like really just say yes to that because usually when people offer, they really want to yeah. help. And I know we just started going to a a new church and we wanted to become a part of the neighborhood small group dinner. And I just said to one of the pastors, we'll just do it at our house because we can't, I mean, how are we going to get five kids out the door on a Tuesday night to go to a neighborhood dinner, you know? And he just made me stop. And he said, listen, it's okay for somebody else to serve you. Mm -hmm. Like we want you at our house. Mm -hmm. We want you to come. And I was like, what? (laughs) Are you sure? Do you realize the parade that is coming with me? (laughs) He's so funny too, because he's like, don't worry, there are kids there. And and he was right. There are, there were other kids there. So we kind of doubled the the, (laughs) the amount of kids, but still, but it was just really nice to feel like, 
I wasn't a train wreck. I wasn't a circus. I was wanted. My family was wanted Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to host it. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's a blessing for the, for the people serving. I, this week, actually, I was thinking about Tori Rask's, um, essay. Um, we -hmm. had a family who had a, just a, a rough week Mm -hmm. and they didn't, nobody was sick or died. There were no new babies and they didn't need my food. They had, Mm -hmm. I mean, there were grownups around to make it, but I asked if I could bring them one because I didn't have another way to support them. And Mm -hmm. it was such a blessing to me to be able to chop carrots and celery and onions and put together a pot pie for this family that I love because I wanted, I wanted something to do. And it, and I was so thankful that they said yes. Yeah. So mamas let people serve you. It's, it's a blessing all around. Yeah. Well, before we finish up, we should probably go into just like maybe a few like practical things, just like throw them out there. Here's, here's what you guys could do tomorrow. And it it could conceivably make your life really easier. Well, the first thing you could do is subscribe to our email newsletter because we have this awesome resource that is recipes for families from many of the mamas who are part of our community. And they responded to our call for people to share a little bit about what life is like in the kitchen for them and sharing some of their most loved family recipes that their kids enjoy along with them. And I'm excited to give some of those a try. So I'm super excited about this one. Um, like looking at all those recipes, they, they look delicious and it's, there's a really good variety of like different families with different restrictions, different numbers of people and different styles. I'm really excited to share this one with you guys. I was, I looked through a lot of those, a lot of those recipes and there are just all kinds of families represented. They're working moms and stay at home moms and allergy moms and moms of picky kids. Um, and yeah. so there's just a really good variety. There's a, there's a good chance that there will be some recipes in there that work for your family, whatever your family looks mm-hmm. like. I also think that there are just so many places to find ideas for meals. I know some people go straight to Pinterest or they go to um, a cookbook that's a favorite. I find that when I am really lacking for inspiration that I ask a friend because if a friend of mine likes it and serves it to her family all the time, chances are I'm also going to enjoy it. And I love also... um, I think when someone else is able to share from their personal experience, something that works well for them, it's really, it's really just nice to be able to share that kind of stuff with people that you care about. And so I like, I like crowdsourcing my meal ideas mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can do that on Facebook easily, but I also like just calling a friend and saying, Hey, I'm just really down on inspiration. What do you have for me? And I also love that that's just a way to connect. Cheeseburger macaroni. Mm. I should, I should. We should put this in the show notes. I'll send you a link. <laughs> Cheeseburger macaroni. Yeah. We, we need this recipe. We yep. definitely need sure. it. I just want to say that uh, what you're doing now is not what you have yeah. to do forever. And like, you know, for me, I feel like it goes in about three months first, which yep. is the seasons, right? But um, so we did like the dinner box thingy where it comes to your door and you cook it. We did that for about three months mm-hmm. and I canceled my membership. Okay. I was like, okay, yep. that's cool. Oh, that's Moving on, I made a ton of freezer meals before my last baby was born. And we did a whole season of that where it was like two, three times a week. Yep, crock pot. This again, yep, this is what we're having, you know, because this is what is in our freezer. And then like, whatever, there's the grill season, right? We're still in that one right now. And that's super fun. And 
So just like whatever is going on right now, it doesn't have to last forever. And you just feel free to change it up. I think, I think that Emily said earlier that this is the part of our mothering where creativity can come into play and where it can, it can be actually really fun. Well, and the one thing I just wanted to mention before we wrap up completely is one of the little bits of advice that we received from Bethany Berendrecht from our Facebook group. And she said that at mealtime, they have only one rule for her family, and that is to love one another. And that that is the whole point of table manners. That's the point of just coming together to share that meal together. And I love it. It's just such a practical, very simple way to kind of get over the hurdles of, you know, if I'm there to love my family, even if I am exhausted and have been in the kitchen for a while and I'm not really happy to be dealing with the kid challenges that, you know, we're there to connect and love each other and be nourished. And that happens just by showing up to the table and, and loving each other the best that we can. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Thanks for being here, ladies. And I just, I'm excited about our series and I hope people will go check out the blog and all of the wonderful essays that will be shared there this month. And I'm excited about our writers and residents who you will be seeing more and more on the blog and on our podcast as well. And thanks, Lynn and Robin, for being here today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Emily. Welcome back to the Kindred Mom Podcast. I am very excited today to have a special guest. She is one of our writers in residence this fall, sharing some of her wisdom and her beautiful words through essays on the blog in September, October, and November. I'd love to welcome Patty Scott. How are you, Patty? Really well. Thanks, Emily. How are you? I'm so good. I would love for you to just give us a tiny bit of information about your family so we know what season of life you're in and where you're coming from. Great. Yes, we have a almost 17-year-old, our oldest son, although we had a foster daughter his first year of life. So we started off parenting with a four-year-old who had some challenging stuff going on and an infant in a new town. So that was a little bit of a season. Um, then um, we had some challenges getting pregnant the second time around and our foster daughter went back to her family and we... Um, ended up getting a surprise pregnancy seven years after our first. So we have two boys and my youngest is nine right now. So we have a 17-year-old and a nine-year-old. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun season of life. Oh, great. Well, we're so glad to have you. And I have to tell you that our team has been so excited to have you on board as a writer in residence for these coming few months because it has allowed us to work closely with some sharing ideas and and just talking about what we think will serve the moms in our community. And so I just want to thank you for the time investment that you've put in and um, all that you're about to share with us because I know it's just going to be rich with wisdom. So thank you for being here. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, Emily. And it's been such a blessing. I truly appreciate just all that Kindred Mom has to offer to moms. It's just such a blessing. Oh, thanks. Well, we're excited to jump into the new series for September, which is Life Around the Table. And I know that you are a very intentional mom and love to share with other women how they can pursue motherhood and being intentional as we're raising our kids. I'd love for you to just talk about that a little bit because I know um, it's really important to you. And I'd love to know what that's looked like in your own journey. 
Yeah. And as I've started to really cultivate my gift and love of writing, I thought more about what my passion was to share with women. And it's just been more and more clear that word intentional, intentional motherhood that we would love intentionally and make room for what matters most. And that's my mission to help moms do that. So I feel like sometimes, especially, you know, I don't know, it's just our culture or if it's just this season that we're in that things are very busy and Mm -hmm. we can get distracted with so many things, but I know that that's not a new problem. It's just a, it's a current problem for sure or challenge I should say. And so I think, you know, when we really step back and look at the long haul and figure out what it is that we want to be remembering and what kind of mark we want to leave on our children's hearts, then we start to do things a little differently and, and what's most important bubbles up to the top. And so that's how I look at intentional motherhood. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I am on board with that. I really strive to be an intentional mom. And for me, in different seasons, it does look a little bit different. But I think pause is the very first word that comes to my mind. And that is because of the busyness that you're talking about, that the current culture that we live in is very fast paced. We have media at our fingertips and so many things that are available to us at all times to grab our attention. And I just try to pause and clue in to where my kids are at and what they're doing. And it's a very simple thought, but I think that that is the very practical action I can take to begin my intentionality. Because if I don't stop, then I may not recognize what it is that my kids really need from me at that moment. So such goodness, really good because life kind of barrels forward. So that pause is so crucial. We can just step back and remember this is what I'm here for. This is what I want to be doing in this moment, not this other thing that's sort of calling me away from that core purpose. Yeah. Well, and I love that it's so simple because then, you know, pause is not, it might not be easy to do in the middle of what we have going on, but it is a simple step. And so it's not like this unreachable ideal where we'd love to have everything look just so. A pause is really just that. It can be just a moment to take stock of where you're at and how your kids are doing and how you're doing. And so that's one thing I love about it. Mm -hmm. One thing that I thought of with that is how you model that to your children so that Mm -hmm. when they feel out of control or agitated or just, you know, need to take a breather. They've already seen you do that. And that's one of the biggest ways we teach them the things that we want them to learn. So it's such a great lesson for them when we learn to exercise that self-control and pause ourselves, then they get to see that in action. So what a great way to mother. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And so we're launching into September, which is going to be this awesome new series with multiple essays on the blog that I think are going to be really encouraging. You have written one. I have written one. There are several more by other mamas that have been contributed. And I know that you have had different seasons, some really at home having family dinners and some a little bit more on the go. And I would love for you to talk about what has been important to you regarding family mealtimes and time around the table with your kids, as well as what do you do when you're in that busy season and you can't get around the table as often as you want to? Right. That is so true. And, you know, it, I think you hit on something big when you said seasons and we need to look at the season we're in and realize motherhood has many seasons. So, 
you really need to evaluate where you are. And I was thinking when we were, I was preparing for this talk together with you that, you know, it's kind of like you get your wedding dress, but you still have to have it altered. So there's like something that's out there that's sort of a great idea of how family supper should go, but you have to alter it to meet your own family's needs. You have to make it fit for you. And I think so many times we can really tear ourselves down as moms when we start to look around at other families or even an expectation that we create for ourselves. And then we try to emulate that and we've put something on top of ourselves and we start to stress out, you know, so it's so good to just step back and say, what is it that fits our family in this season? We've had all kinds of seasons and we've had seasons with infants at the table, toddlers at the table. That's always a fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> fun and exciting time. And, also known and, you know, just, as food on the floor at all times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And just like, you know, trying to keep people engaged while even teaching table manners at different ages. And, you know, um, and then, you know, the, the season kicks in where you start to have all kinds of extracurriculars outside of the home. And in this day and age, they're really at supper time. Like I was talking to a friend, why is that, that when I was growing up, all the activities were like at three in the afternoon, like right after school. And now they're all at supper time. And she said, well, more people work out of the home. And so there's not the availability for people to run sports. And so that made so much sense to me. So because of that, we're going to find ourselves making choices that we're going to be away from the table at least several nights a week, probably Mm -hmm. the average family. And and so you need to figure some leeway in for yourselves. And I think, you know, like in our family, we had a season where my boys were invited to Taekwondo. And I talk about this in the essay that I wrote, but um, we chose to let them start doing that. And it was four nights a week and one Saturday morning. And it was right at 6.30. So we couldn't really feed a big meal beforehand because they were going to be jumping all over the place. And then it went until 7.30. We didn't get home till eight. So supper was disrupted you know, bedtime was disrupted. It was just a really, um, it was very disruptive, but in a good way, my boys loved it. And so we made that choice at that time to sacrifice table time for something that really poured into them in a different way. But then there came a point where we had to reevaluate and say, we have to let go of Taekwondo because it's pulling too much of us away from where we need to be. And my husband calls the table sacred space. And so, and he says that to the boys a lot of the time, he'll say, you know, we're, we're in sacred space. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be the rest of our lives that we'll all be here together. And even if it is that what that looks like will change. So this is sacred space. And I love that image that here we are gathered and there's not, we want to take it as precious as it is and not just relinquish it easily. Yeah. Well, I love that. I feel that I haven't ever thought of it as sacred space like you're discussing, but I do feel that the time that I spent with my family around the table when I was young, before my parents divorced and my brothers moved on to their things in their lives, um, I miss that time really a lot if I stop to think about it. And I just... I think it's really wise to recognize the beauty and importance of that time as simple as it might be and as routine and mundane as it might feel in this present moment where it's just it's just another meal on the table. It's just another, you know, set of sibling squabbles to monitor. Um, but 
it really is a fleeting time that we won't always have. And so I think that's really a wise thing to draw attention to. So, But not to make that again an expectation that it's sacred, so it's going to be perfect because right. it's going to be so very imperfect. But, you know, it's in that imperfect regular life that we find the greatest memories and the beautiful things that we hold on to and that our kids treasure down the road. So just not making it have to be some perfectionistic standard that even though it's sacred, it's something that rolls along very um, mundane in some ways. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like yeah. that idea of sacred ordinary. You know, it's not yeah. it's not this lofty sacred thing that is, you know, like you said, has to be perfect. But I love, I absolutely love that. And I would love to just kind of switch gears and talk about moms who really feel like they're in survival mode and maybe they're not enjoying time around the table because it is so much to just try to get the food there and get the kids there and help everybody have a good time together. I would love your wisdom or advice about how to learn how to be flexible and adapt to those challenges as they come. Yeah. And we've done different things during the years and we have, um, at this time we don't, but we've had seasons where we had a family meeting on a regular basis. So sometimes when supper time was getting pretty woolly, we would just have a family meeting and talk about, that would be one of the topics we talk about in our family meeting and just say like, Hey, supper time feels like a carnival. Like what's going on? You know, like we want to make this precious and special, but it seems like everybody's having a hard time sitting still or getting along. So what can we do? And then we would all, brainstorm and at the family meetings we have like an object we pass back and forth so people take turns talking Mm -hmm. and we would just brainstorm a solution together and a lot of times when kids are a part of a solution they're more willing to buy into it and make it happen and so that was that's one way that we've solved that at other times we've had things that you have to look at like what are the kids perspective as to when your children are coming to the table some of your kids are ultra tired because it's the end of a long day. And so it's not time for like a big expectation, you know, but we've put in like family joke books. Even when the boys were really little, we got these corny joke books and we used to just tell (laughs) jokes around the table or we would always try to go around and we still do this tell our highs and lows for the day, which even the earliest talker can do, you know, and even if it's silly that they, you know, what they say, they still enjoy (laughs) being the focus and sharing something. We've done finish the story where we pass, um, the story idea around and everybody adds a little bit to the story as we build on it while we're eating or talk about what we're looking forward to as a family or remember some memories. When the boys got older, we got some, um, subscription boxes and they had like conversation starters in them. So sometimes we use those, but you know, just knowing that it sometimes maybe even just change a venue, like have dinner on a sheet on the floor in the living room Mm -hmm. or eat at the, counter or have a movie night or eat out in the backyard, you know, just shifting things up a little bit. So it breaks it up, but also having your kids participate in preparing the meal that can take some of the pressure off of you. I mean, sometimes it can add more pressure (laughs) because it can can be chaotic in its own right, but it does involve them. And then they're more invested in the whole process of the meal being successful when they've participated in cooking or setting the table or whatever parts of it. Yeah, for sure. I love those ideas. So many good things in there. And I'm going to look into some joke books for my table because <laughs> I think my kids would that. adore that. Well, I'd love to just draw on your experiences uh, for moms who are kind of figuring out how do you balance 
trying to stay committed to a routine if that's what they're after or learning how to be flexible when necessary. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think like we have to determine what's most important to us. And I think get away from the form and look at the function. Like we can pursue the, fu- the function of something. Like why is it we want to gather around the table? It's because we feel it's going to connect the hearts of our family. We feel like it's going to provide a time, a consistent time for us to gather together and be, you know, break bread together. And that's important, but maybe the way that it's happening isn't working well. So then we have to back off of that and say, maybe it's better that Sunday lunch is this for us or that, you know, two nights a week are really important family night, dinner times, and three nights are not. And as my son turned more towards his teen years, you know, he got into plays at, at school and different things, sports involvements, wanting to be at friends' houses for dinner. And his time around the table diminished as he aged. And so we had to mark off certain dates that were like, this is family supper night and we want you home, you mm-hmm. know, and that kind of thing. So we just, you have to work with your own rhythm and your expectations and try to figure out what it is you're trying to get out of the family dinner. And maybe there's another way to make that work within your home. Well, I would love to talk about the book that you are releasing. And I think it is being released on the day this podcast is being released, which is so exciting. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about it as well as what in inspired you to write it. Great. Yes. Um, I'm super excited about this book and I think it is releasing the same day. So it's going to come out on Amazon September 10th and it's called Slow Down Mama. And the subtitle is Intentional Living in a Hurried World. And, you know, a lot of times you hear moms say there's not enough time in the day or I feel so overextended. I'm overwhelmed. And through the book, I tell my own story because I lived a very um, haggard and um, spread too thin life. Mm -hmm. And I found out that slowing down held the key to the things that I was trying to gain through busyness and productivity and getting it all right. And, um, I found that actually the opposite produced the the result that I wanted, the deeper longings that I had were fulfilled when I learned to slow down and live more intentionally. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I can tell you more about what's inside the book if you'd like as well. Of course. Yeah. So it's, um, we look at what's at the root of your busyness and I have six, basic roots that we look at. And then we also look at perfectionism and how it plays into busyness. Mm -hmm. And then once you've identified your personal pitfalls and your truest purposes, then at the end of the book, I start to lead into life giving habits towards the middle and end of the book that can help you to shift that around and help you um, actually stick with your resolution. So we talk about the purpose of your life being in three areas, your to be, which is your character Mm -hmm. to love, which are the people that you're called to serve and love and your to do, which is your true calling. And so I help you find those things. Then I talk about savoring the relationships in your life and how to set aside time for those and how to just be present with people Mm -hmm. and then uh, working in rest and margin. And then I talk about temperaments and how different temperaments plan in different ways. So this isn't a one size fits all. Like a lot of time time management organization books really go after us as if we're all like ready to label cubbies and not everybody is. You know? so <laughs> I have no to, labeled cubbies at um, my house. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So this is the book for you, but just like, um, how, 
for you? Does it work for planning and strategizing in a way that makes you achieve the goals you have so you don't have to become a type A personality in order to gain more of what you really long for out of your life? Mm -hmm. And then at the end, I talk about self-care, leaving room for self-care, and then leaving room to give to others, and then finally leaving a legacy. So it's the chapters are really short. They're 10 pages because I know this is going to, this is written to busy moms. So we need to be able to read them in the restroom or at the end of a day really quickly when we're exhausted. So there are 31 chapters you could read it in a month, or I have several groups already lined up that are getting together that are um, 10 weeks. They're going to go through three chapters a week for 10 weeks. And I have a study guide that I'm putting up on my website to go with it. And I'll have some other resources. I'm working on a 31 day devotional to go along with it as well. So it's just a super exciting project. And um, my heart is just that, you know, I think of some of my busiest friends as I wrote this, they were on my heart and other people I know that, um, when I've mentioned this to mops groups that I've talked to and stuff, they've just all said, I need that book, Mm -hmm. you know, and they haven't even read it and they know they need it. And so I feel like it's just a way that moms are really going to get, um, spoken to and get practical tools to help them in this area so that they can live a more peaceful and purposeful life. Mm -hmm. It just sounds so rich and so perfect for our audience, especially because I know that, um, overwhelm is a very common thing among mamas. I have had my own days of overwhelm, which could be because I have six children or it could be just because motherhood (laughs) is just overwhelming sometimes. And so I love that you have poured so much of your heart and soul into this. And I can't wait till I can get my own copy of it and and check out all that you have poured yourself into. And so I just really deeply appreciate you being here to share with us and wanted to give you an opportunity to just speak to kind of the different groups of moms that you are familiar with, like to the new mom, what encouragement you would give her in the season of her life while she is just adjusting to what is new with caring for a baby and caring for herself. And maybe she's not really looking beyond what is in her immediate field of view. Um, What kind of encouragement would you like to give that mom? The new mom. I think back, I mean, it's funny, how many years has it been since I've been a new mom? And yet all you have to say is those two words and Mm -hmm. I go right back to it. And it's such a, there's no other season of life like being a new mom. You're overwhelmed with the amount of love you can have for another person. And yet you are so sleep deprived and drained and everything Mm -hmm. is new and it's all at once. And, you know, and then people tell you to sleep when the baby sleeps and yet you're that's the only time you can actually function like an adult, Mm -hmm. the adult you sort of used to be. (laughs) And so it's so hard to navigate those challenges, but there's just a lot of sweetness in that season. And, um, it just passes. I know that it feels some days just really, really, really feel like they will not pass. And yet you look back and it just zipped by. And I know that's so cliche, but it's really true that the time does fly this um, faster than you expect. So um, as much as possible, be really gentle with yourself during that season. I think that's my biggest word for moms who are new is just really be gentle and gracious to yourself. Don't expect so much from yourself at this time and give yourself a lot of time to get familiar with how you are as a mother, how this baby is, and you'll catch it all. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. You're going to find your stride. You will. And of course, then it'll break and then you'll find it again, but but you will find it. (laughs) So, so don't feel, um, 
you know, and be, be willing to ask for advice, but also I think there's a lot of, um, conflicting information about the details of how we mother and, um, Go, step back and see what fits. Don't necessarily swallow everything whole stock and yeah. and really be willing to look at what fits for you and what kinds of things you intention to you know you intend to be as a mom and rather than just we can really get drawn and quartered trying to follow all the different pieces of advice out there. So be sure to step back and put I, this is a sentence I say a lot, but put your blinders on. As a mom, we have to put our blinders on yeah. a lot. So yeah, no, I love seeing new moms come into their own confidence and finding their own way, which you can ask for advice. You can seek out information, um, but how you apply that in your own home and with your own child has got to be your own decision because as you make one decision after another that does fit, I think it just it builds a mom's confidence to see that she doesn't have to do anything the way that her friend or her sister or her mom or anyone else did it. That it is going to be her unique journey. So, and there's one other thing, Emily, that I was thinking about that don't be afraid to make mistakes as a mom. We all, you'll never meet a mom that didn't make a bucket load of mistakes. So chalk them up join the club, know that we all do. And even the moms who look like they're not making mistakes, they are. And so give yourself that grace that you're not the only one making a mistake and you can move forward from every mistake Mm. you make. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hit the next group of moms, the ones who have busy little ones, either toddlers up through school-aged kids. Do you have any different kind of advice you would give to those mamas? Yes. Those are the moms that I say, get a sitter and go take care of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) You need to get away. If your husband will, if you're married and your husband will do that for you, that is a huge, huge blessing. But if not, swap with a friend, save your grocery money, whatever, get out of the house every so often. It's just take care of yourself and give yourself enough time to replenish because you're pouring out a lot. You need to fill that Mm, bucket. So good. Well, Patty, I just so loved having you here and I hope that people will tune in to um, the other podcast episodes you'll be on in the future, as well as check out your book, Slow Down Mama. And you can find more essays from Patty in the coming months as well. So she's around for a while. And um, if you have any questions you'd love to ask her, you can send them just an email to hello at kindredmom.com and Patty will you also just give us the details where people can find you online if they want to go check it out right now yes I'm at pattyhscott.com that's my website and you can reach me on Facebook at pattyhscott and you can always email me at pjsalm103 at sbcglobal.net now that's so awesome thanks so much for being here thank you thank you